welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Ramsey Heights. I'm so excited that you've all came to join us once again for our online outdoor services. Before I go any farther, let me say happy Mother's Day to all of our ladies out there. I know that you would have preferred to have been at church this morning and celebrating as a group, and I know many of you would have had your children at church with you this morning. It's a day that you look forward to all week, and I'm so sorry that that didn't happen. It's just out of our control, but I just want you to know that we are celebrating you today, and that this is a day that we take to to honor all of the things that that our mothers and all of our ladies in general give to us and so happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there I want to continue on this morning with our focus series. If you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in John chapter 14. And, and we have been looking at this series where Jesus says, I am, and he tells us something about himself. We've done six weeks of this already, and today, sadly, is the last day. But I think this is going to be the best one that we're going to look at. As we went through this series, we have probably had one of two responses. If, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been filled with so much hope and joy and excitement at studying who Jesus is and we can see in our lives when we talk about uh, what Jesus does for us we can see that God has done that for us over our lifetime over our Christian lifetime but some of you have failed to find the hope you're, you're curious and it's it sounds good to you but you're not really sure where the hope is when I started this series I framed it around the concept of the pandemic that we're in well, how, how are we going to deal with this pandemic and we're going to focus on Jesus and I'm sure somebody expected that I was going to give you some answers about where is God in this pandemic. And so you still have some questions and you may be asking, Brian, if you've never addressed how is God going to handle this, this current panic that we're in, where are you finding hope? Well, I think that we're going to help you out with that a little bit this morning because today we are focusing on hope. So if you already have that hope, it's something that is just going to help you build your hope even more. And if you still have questions, I want to explain to you why Christians have so much hope. We have faced many crises in our lives. We, we have faced the death of family members. Now we have this virus going around, health problems, financial problems. All throughout the history of mankind, it has been crisis after crisis after crisis. War, famine, natural disasters. How do we handle these particular crises? Now, let's talk about a story in the Bible where the disciples are going through a crisis and how Jesus answers them. In John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his eventual crucifixion, or actually his, his nearing crucifixion. And so the disciples are experiencing a little bit of a crisis. And you say, well, Brian, how does Jesus being crucified cause a crisis for the disciples? What, what's wrong with that? Well, we have the ability to look back at the crucifixion and see it with a great deal of joy because we know how it ends. We know that after three days, Jesus walked out of that tomb and proved that he had the power over death. But the disciples were still in a learning time. They were still trying to figure out how this all worked and what Jesus was talking about. Not everything that had been taught to them quite made sense yet. So when Jesus starts talking about, hey, I'm going away and you guys can't go with me, the disciples find themselves in a panic. They don't understand where Jesus is going. 
you have to understand that, especially for the, for the apostles, they had given up their entire life. They had left their jobs. Many of them had left their families, and they had followed Jesus all across the country of Israel and learned after Him. They had nothing else, and now Jesus drops this bombshell on them. I'm going away, and you can't come with me. You have to imagine the disciples were in crisis and they had many questions. And I want to look at Jesus' response today in John chapter 14. Read with me starting in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, have to- I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh, cometh to the, unto the Father, but by me. Now, this is supposed to be helpful to the disciples. It's supposed to give them a lot of hope. They're in the middle of this crisis. They have left Jesus and now he's going away and he calms their fears by telling them this particular story. This provides hope for them because Jesus is saying, hey, one of these days you're going to be back with me and and there's something bigger here than what you can see in the present moment. But it also provides hope for you and me. You may not know who James Berry is, but James Berry is the person who authored the story of Peter Pan. Many of you probably know the Disney adaptation of that, Peter Pan, and he flies off to Never Never Land. Well, James tells a story about his mother and this particular set of scripture. His mother endured many hardships in life, and we don't have to go into all of them, but she had a harder life than most of the people who walked the the earth. And this was her favorite scripture. James tells us that his mother turned to this scripture, John chapter 14, so much that when you picked up her Bible, it naturally opened to this point. Over the years, the pages were so used from being turned as she read them again and again and again, those pages began to fall out and they would fall on the ground. James tells us that when his mother was old and nearing death, she became blind and she was not able to read her favorite scripture anymore. But because her Bible was so worn to this point of these particular verses, she would open up that Bible, just using, just using touch, knowing where those pages fell out, and she would pull the Bible up to her face and she would kiss those verses. See, in a life full of hardship, she found hope in this story. She found hope in what Jesus said to his disciples and what he now says to us about who he is and what we have to look forward to. So let's see if we can break this scripture down and find out why there is so much hope. I think we should start with the question, where is Jesus going? He's leaving and the disciples can't go with him. Where's he going to be? Where is he going to prepare a place at? Well, the answer is pretty simple. It's a place that you and I call heaven. Now, you've noticed that we focused on Jesus now for seven out, seven weeks. And six out of the seven weeks, I haven't spoken a word about heaven. I have talked about Jesus and what He gives us. And that has been purposeful. And that's the way it's laid out in the Bible. Heaven is something that is wonderful. Now, I'm fixing to talk about this, and I don't want to steal your excitement about heaven. But we may have focused on the wrong thing. You see, as we have learned about Jesus, as we have evangelized, we have kind of presented Jesus through the scope of heaven or hell. 
we tell people, hey, when you die, you're going one of two places. And there's hell, and we talk about how bad hell is. And then there's heaven, and we talk about how wonderful heaven is. And you get a choice, and your only way into heaven is Jesus. Now, that's true. But the gospel was never meant to be about just heaven. The Bible talks very little about heaven in, in comparison to what the Bible talks about we get in salvation through Jesus Christ. All the things we've talked about in the past seven weeks. We may have focused on heaven just a little too much. And in order to make that particular example or to make uh, people understand how great heaven is, we talk about things like streets of gold. It's in the Bible. They're going to be there. We talk about mansions. We just read that. It's in the Bible. They're going to be there. We talk about the pearly gates and we try to describe how great heaven is. But over time, we have focused so much on how great heaven is, we've started to add other things. We've started to talk about, well, I think there's going to be fishing in heaven. I've heard people say, I believe my favorite deer stand will be in heaven. I've heard people say that our childhood pets will be waiting to meet us there because everything that's going to make us happy is going to be in heaven. You notice what we've focused on is the things. And I don't want to take away from the things because the Bible does tell us that eye has not seen or ear has not heard the things, or we can't even comprehend the things that God has prepared for us in heaven. But the, the focus of Jesus Christ when it comes to our salvation has never been about just heaven, what is there and what we can look forward to. Instead, Jesus focuses on who is going to be there. We're going to be there, but who's going to be there with us? Now, it's a natural human response to think about the afterlife, what's going to happen after we die, the same way that we think about the world today, and we view it very materialistically. Chinese emperors would take and have clay soldiers carved so that they would have an emperor or have an army to conquer the afterlife. Egyptians buried their pharaohs with boats and food and swords and money so that their pharaohs would have everything that they needed in the afterlife. The, the Vikings would bury their leaders with weapons so they would be able to fight in the afterlife. Throughout history, humans have tried to phase or um, understand the afterlife the same way we understand life today, in a material world. But the afterlife is not about the material possessions that are going to be there. It's about who's going to be there and what it's like to be in the presence of God. I think it's a bit of a folly of human understanding to focus on the things. Now look at what Jesus focuses on in the story. He focuses on the presence. Where are we going to be and whose presence are we going to be in? Let's look at this again. Jesus says in verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Brian, I know the song. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I'm looking forward to having my mansion. And, and we have this picture of this giant, beautiful house. And it's going to be full of all of the finer things of life. And that's what we think of when we think of mansions. In the original language, the word that is translated mansion here is Monet. And it actually translates more directly to the concept of a dwelling place. And so you're asking, Brian, is this mistranslated? No, it's not. But you have to understand, at the time that this was translated into the word mansion, a mansion did not mean what you and I understand it to mean now. We think of the big houses that celebrities live in. Mansions, when this was written, described taverns or what we might call as hotels. And I know what you're thinking, Brian, you're stealing my joy. I can't sing, I've got a hotel room just over the hilltop. 
I'm not saying that we have a hotel room in heaven. What I am saying is that God never meant to, for us to look forward to having a giant house. Instead, the focus is not on what we will dwell in, but in whose house we will dwell in. Look at what he says here. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you look at what Jesus is focusing on, he's not promising us things. He's promising us presence, that we will get to dwell in the presence of God, that we will be there with Jesus Christ. He says, if I go, I will come back and get you and you will be with me and you will go where I go. Jesus gives us this promise that it's not about the things, it's about the presence of God where we dwell. Now, look at what Jesus said here. If you're still having a little bit of a reaction to that and you're saying, I don't know, Brian. I've always heard about the mansion. Uh, listen to what Jesus said. Did Jesus say, no man comes to heaven but by me? It's true, but that's not what he said. No man gets a mansion except by me. It's true, but that's not what he said. What does he say? He says, no man comes to the Father but by me. See, the whole point of this verse is a focus on in whose house we'll be in. We will spend eternity in the presence of God. We will get the same things we have now when we talk about Jesus Christ for eternity. It's not about what we get, but who we're going to be with. In the Bible, there are four accounts of people who either saw into heaven or had a vision of heaven. Those accounts are written by Isaiah in the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, it's recorded in the book of Acts when Stephen is able to look up into heaven right before he dies. And then John recorded in the book of Revelation his vision of heaven. And two things in all of those ideas of heaven stand out that, that they all mention. The first thing is this. It is the glory of God. They're not focused on pearly gates, streets of gold mansions. The first thing they all comment on is the brilliance of God sitting on the throne and how great He is and how, in, in a sense, fearful they are of His presence. Now, there's no reason to be fearful of heaven, but it is just so overpowering to be in the presence of God that they found themselves responding in fear. And so for all of them, they focus on the glory of God. And that tells us that heaven is going to be centered around the glory of God. And then three out of the four describe the worship in heaven. They describe what the people and the angels in heaven do again and again and again. And they circle around the throne singing glory to God. See, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be worried about if my mansion's bigger than yours or where my mansion's located or even what's in our mansion. We're going to be focused on the glory of God. We're not going to want to go do all of these things we think materialistically will be there. Somebody comes to you in heaven and says, hey, you want to go fishing? You want to go hunting? You want to go to have a hobby? You want to do all of these things that people have made up about heaven? I promise you your response is going to be, no, I want to go worship God. Now, if you don't understand the power of worship, that may sound boring to you. You're saying, so Brian, it's going to be like church where I sit in a pew with a hymn book and I mumble words. No, no, worship is when we express our excitement through song. Think about every song that's ever written. What is it meant to do? It expresses something from our heart that we can't say in just words. And when we're in heaven, we're going to express something from our heart for eternity about the glory and the greatness and the amazing uh, love that we have for God again and again and again. It's going to be a place of joy and excitement as we praise God again and again and again. 
I'm not telling you what will or won't be in heaven. I'm not telling you what things will or won't be there. But I am promising you this, that those things are not going to matter to you because you're going to be so focused on the glory of God. And all you're going to want to do, all we're going to want to do is worship Him forever. In Revelation chapter 4, it proves this. John sees the throne of God and he describes it. And then he sees 24 people sitting around the throne of God. And each of them have a crown of gold on their head. And I know what you're thinking. Brian, crown of gold, riches. I'm excited about getting a crown. Well, this is what happens. is when the angels start praising the glory of God. These 24 people sitting around the throne of God, they take these beautiful, what I can only imagine, or horribly extravagant crowns. They take them off of their heads and they throw them at the ground at the feet of God. And they bow down and they worship. You know what that means? That means that this crown doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the glory of God. Now, in all of this, I don't want to steal your hope for what you think heaven may be. I want to focus your hope on the right things. That we are going to experience something so great the Bible tells us it cannot even be comprehended by the human mind. I could sit here and talk for hours and I could never even come close to describing how amazing and full of joy and excitement heaven is going to be. But I want us focused on the right thing. It's not about the things. It's about the presence of God and we will be there forever. See, our hope as Christians is found here. Jesus says, I'm going, but one day you are going with me. This whole focus series has, has been a study of what it means to have the presence of Jesus in your life. And what I want you to know about that is that the, fo- the, the presence of Jesus in your life and all the things that we've talked about, the fullness, the light, all of the things that Jesus said, I am, they transcend your burial date. One, one of these days, this life is going to end. And all the things God gives us with Jesus Christ is going to continue into eternity as we have the presence of God and Jesus with us forever. And all of the hope and the joy and the fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about that you and I experience now, you and I have them eternally. And that's what the Bible means when it says eternal life, that we will continually have access to our God and to Jesus Christ. It should bring you a lot of hope. It should bring you a lot of excitement. What we have now will be with us forever. Now, just like many of us being confused about heaven, when Jesus is trying to explain this to his disciples, that there will be a time when we live in the presence of God forever, Thomas has a question. He says, Jesus, you're going, but we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way to get there? And Jesus, ever patient with them, just like he is us, he begins to tell Thomas that this is not a physical trip I'm going on. It's spiritual. And he says, you already know the directions. You already know how to get there. And so he replies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to focus on the completeness of that statement. What Jesus is saying when, when he says, hey, I'm going and there is, there is this afterlife where, where you will dwell in the presence of God. And Thomas says, how do I get there? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's complete. There, there's no wiggle room right there. Jesus says, I am the way. There are a lot of directions that you can take, but only one of them is going to end you up in this eternal state of being in the presence of God. He said, Jesus says, I am that way. 
Jesus says, I am the truth. There are a lot of lies out there that are going to tell you that you can achieve this through different religions or, or different directions. Jesus says, but they're all lies and only I am the truth. And Jesus says, I am the life. The life that we've talked about now for seven weeks. The presence of Jesus Christ in your life. The fruit, the fullness, the light, the, the shepherd. Jesus says, I am that life. And, and you only get there. And he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus tells us completely and with no questions, the only way we are going to dwell in the presence of God forever is through Jesus Christ. And so what I'm telling you today is we only have hope because of Jesus Christ. I've been a bit heartbroken as I've watched this coronavirus, as it spread across the world, and I've watched people's responses, and I just hurt for people that we live in a world of people who have no hope. Fear has gripped us all, and I'm not going to tell you that I haven't been scared from time to time. But I watch the world, and I continually come back to one thing, is that it's going to be okay because I have Jesus. And I see people in the world, they don't say, they don't, they don't have that same hope. And so they live in fear because of what's going on in the world. I want to tell you a story about a man who lived in fear. Ira Stanfield records this story that he, he was at an evangelistic conference and the speaker there was telling a story about his own life. You might say he was giving his testimony. And this particular speaker was a young Christian businessman and he was about to experience extreme financial trouble. His, his financial empire was crumbling around him and he was so focused on everything that he was losing, he found himself slipping into depression and despair. And one day he had just had enough. He just had to get away from the city. So this young Christian businessman got in his car and he just drove out. And he noticed a house. It was run down. The windows were boarded over. It didn't look like a place fit for a human to life. And I have no doubt in my mind that he looked at that and he wondered, is this where I'm headed? When, when my finances collapse, am I going to live in a place like this? But he noticed a young girl playing outside. And she was playing with a doll with all the stuffing out of it. Her dress was tattered and worn. But he noticed an unusual excitement in the young girl. Not was she just happy like kids are. There was something very joyful about her. And so he went up and he asked her, he said, Why are you so happy? Your house is broken down. You don't have much. Your, your little doll that you love so much is, is just rags at this point. What are you so happy for? And the girl replied to him, she says, Mister, my dad just came into a lot of money, and this house that we're living in is temporary because he's building us a mansion just over that hilltop. Now that story, spoken by that young Christian businessman, convicted him that, you know what, my current circumstances don't matter because there's something greater for me in the future. I have a dwelling place with God in the future, and this is temporary. Iris, Iris Stanfield felt the same thing, and he wrote the, the he wrote excuse me he wrote the song. After hearing this, he went home and wrote the song "Jesus Loves Me" because he was so excited. No, I'm kidding. He went home and wrote the song "I've Got a Mansion Just Over the Hilltop" because we can always focus on our future. We have hope. See, Christians have hope no matter the circumstances in the world around us because we have possession of something bigger than the present problems. 
I hope that if you're watching this, you have that hope in Jesus Christ. That there is something bigger in your life than the current situation, the current circumstances that we're living in. And that is where hope is found. You will never find hope in this world because money will crumble, health will fade, everything that you have will one day fade away from you. And I'm not trying to be discouraging, it's just the truth. But the hope that we find in Jesus Christ is going to be with us until the day we take our last breath and then forever into eternity. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We have Him forever and ever and ever. This is the last day of the series, and if you are a follower of Christ, I hope it provides you just a little bit of perspective and that you are smiling right now in the hope and the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, today you're going to make a decision one way or another. I've told you for seven weeks now, straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He came here to do for you and for me and what we get when we get Jesus. And today you're going to make a decision. Are you going to walk away from this moment in time and continue to live the life that you have now? Or are you going to make the decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ and spend the rest of your life living with everything that we've talked about for seven weeks? Now, this is up to you. I can't make you do it. I can't, I can't talk you into it. But I have every confidence that Christ has been working in somebody's heart. And you just feel this heaviness and you're saying, I don't have that hope and I want it. Well, I've got good news for you. The work has already been done. You don't have to do anything to come to Christ because He came to us and He died on a cross for your sins. And all He asked for us to become a follower of Him is that just that we have faith in Him. That we have belief that He is who He says that He is. That He will give us the life that He says that He gives us. And that if we just make the choice that, Jesus, I choose to follow You. I believe who You said You are. And I want the life that you give. If you will ask Him, He will give it to you. Today you're making a decision one way or another. You're either going to choose to get that life or you're going to choose not to. And the choice is up to you. And I just want to tell you from personal experience, you will never make a decision more important than following Christ. I hope today that after this series that you make that choice and you live the rest of your life with all the problems in the world. I hope that you live it with the hope of Jesus Christ. I want to pray to end our services today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, God, you have given us so much hope. And it is only because of you that we can look at this life and, and be excited for, for the future. Lord, I just pray that as we have studied you, that you have opened somebody's heart. And God, I just pray that you will uh, draw somebody to you, that they will give their life to you and receive you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that as we go through this life, that we as Christians, that we experience this hope and this joy. God, just let people see it in us, that, that you make a difference in our life and that you have done something so special for us. God, just let your glory shine through us. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that each of you 
will find encouragement and exciting what we've talked about. We're starting a new series next week. We won't be together just yet. We have met. We are discussing times. I think we've got a date nailed down or a target date nailed down, and we will be back together very soon. But until then, just expect that we will be online until you hear different from me. We'll, we'll send out letters, and we will announce that on our Facebook. I'll see you next week. Have a great week. God bless.